Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, gang, you know, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Bet Online has you covered all the news, scores, and the odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. You head to the website, betonline.ag, or you use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome to the show, everybody. Mike and Mark with you. And our guest is a very good friend, 14-year big leaguer, and a former teammate of yours, Mark, on your 1998 San Diego Padres World Series team. I am so glad that Andy Ashby was able to make some time for us. Uh, Me too, Mike. Uh, It it just puts a smile on my face. There's certain teammates that just have that background that you just realize so many different memories that you have in your mind that you'll never, ever forget. Andy Ashby made himself into such a very good pitcher. And when you look back at it, I think Kevin Brown in 1998 coming over from the Marlins really impacted uh, Andy Ashby in a great way. Andy, 14 seasons, five teams, a couple of all-star games. You go to the World Series, a lot of wonderful moments along the way. But when you look back at it all, is there one moment that stands out to you? You know what? I, I think about the 98 season. I think about the, uh, the teammates, um, the 75 pinch game was incredible. Cause I remember walking out of the dugout and seeing the board, like 56 pitches in like the seventh inning. I'm like, that has to be wrong, but you know what? Great teammates. Um, been very fortunate, very blessed. And, uh, I think about all the memories and, the memories are the best things ever. So uh, great teammates, and uh, I love it. Ash, I'll ask you this, because being on, uh, being one of those teammates and being on that club, uh, it was extra special and it snowballed. But it, it started in spring training, and I think a lot of teams say that, that it, it, it originates in spring training. Uh, but I also believe that the chemistry part was so real that we had high expectations. I think a lot of it was when Kevin Towers, the general manager, acquired Kevin Brown, um, set a tone for what the team was going to be. Also put you in a position where it was like, hey, I can watch this guy go to work and and I can do my stuff. I didn't have to be that number one guy, even though I had that ability. What was that like for you when you had uh, Kevin Brown in that rotation with you? You know, when Brownie got there, he changed the whole atmosphere of the clubhouse. I mean, Kevin Brown is like an intimidating guy, very humble guy. But he was the guy to say, you know what? Get it done. Because I'm going to go out there every five days and I'm going to get it done. I mean, I've never seen a guy get so mad when he gave up, you know, gave up two hits in a game. But that was Kevin Brown. And he made me better. I think he made all of us better that year. Just the way his demeanor was, the way he handled himself. But I wanted to do, Kevin went eight, I want to go nine. Kevin went seven, I want to go eight. You know, it was a competition within the competition. But what a great guy, great family guy, and great teammate. I just, uh, it changed the whole attitude in spring training from there to the season. But Every year you go out, how many times do you hear that when Bochy said, hey, from 
you know, 95, 97, 90, whatever. Spring training, we, we're going to go out and we're going to win a championship. We're going to compete. We're going to win. And every year you go into it like that. But 98, it was totally different. We knew we could do that. And we got it done. Fell short in the World Series, but we were still there. You know, when Kevin comes over there, we're talking about the 1998 San Diego Padres. And it's a team that's a collection of interesting characters, Kevin Brown among them. But when you talk about it elevating your game, and Sweeney, you're in that clubhouse at the same time. Can it be one guy? Can it be just one fella who is that much of a difference maker in a club, Andy? I think it, it was uh, everybody. I mean, I think, you know, with you have Mark Sweeney, you have veteran guys, but also you had young kids that have never been there before. But if they got out of hand or weren't really doing what they had to do, you had guys like Mark Sweeney, veteran guys, that say, hey, you need to tighten it up a little bit. Let's go. Get it done. And then when you when things were going bad, though, you had the veteran guys. They helped me. I mean, Brownie and Hitchcock and Joey, we we were – the whole team was together. Mark Langston. And then you have Mark Sweeney. You had Cammy, You had Finley. If someone was going out of – you know, off the chart, if Bochi Bochi would handle it too. But these guys were – we were all together. And we felt that way throughout that whole year. And it showed on the field and off the field. We'd have 20 guys at dinner. I mean, it was awesome. Yeah, you think about the winning. Yeah, the, you think about the winning attitude. Um, I, I mentioned earlier, it, it was created in spring training. But you also had, and let's be realistic, when you have Tony Gwynn, you have Steve Finley, and you have Greg Vaughn, who had a career year in 1998 with 50 home runs. Uh, that's a really good outfield to start with Ken Caminetti at third base that was the 1996 MVP Wally Joyner at first base you have Kilvio Veras at second um, this was a team Chris Gomez at short don't want to minimize anybody but it became uh, guys that stepped up and had career years and I, I think that when you look at a winning team it, it has those elements where guys just step up and they have the ability to do that. But the chemistry part, I don't want to minimize. And, and what I want to ask you too, Ash, is that when you have a Kevin Brown that brings a different attitude and he's, a, he's, a, he's not the rah-rah guy, he's just the intensity, um, you can go out and you're afforded to do anything you want to do. And why I want to focus on that is you had the ability in years before that, leading into that, but it was always maybe that one inning that gave you struggles. It wasn't uh, the the polished Andy Ashby. And I say that with all due respect, because as a visiting player going against you that I did for a couple of years, uh, we knew it was going to be a tough day uh, with the type of stuff that you had. But you had to gain more of that confidence. Where did you get that? Was it just Kevin Brown? Was it a pitching coach that, that allowed you to be that way? You know what? I, I look back on... You know, when I came to the big leagues and, you know, pitched early in my career and I, it was, it was a scuffle. I didn't trust what I was doing. And Bob Tewksbury, St. Louis came to San Diego when I got traded over here. So I start against the Cardinals and Bob Tewksbury came up to me during batting practice said, Hey, he said, you need to trust your stuff. He said, you have unbelievable stuff. He said, but you're, you don't trust it. He said, you need trust it. I'm like, 
I have Bob Tewksbury telling me this, you know? And from that day forward, I was like, you know what? Just go out and trust what I'm doing. Believe in it. Because everybody behind me believes in it. But if I don't, then what good is it? So from that day forward, I mean, I, I went out and wanted to compete, wanted to trust my stuff, and it worked out, thank God. But not only Brownie, not only, you know, you, I mean, it's just, I look back on my career, there's been so many people that have, you know, said, you know, you take things, you let some things go. But the bottom line is, people want to help you. You know, you, this is a family. The biggest family you'll ever have is the baseball world. And it's special. And I look back on, you know, things that happened and there are so many deals that went down and like guys saying things like Tewksbury that made me better, made me who I am. And I thank God for that. You know, Andy, before you ever get to San Diego, your story is interesting in that you sign as an undrafted free agent. Now, most guys... If you're out there listening who sign as undrafted free agents, don't see the light of day really after rookie ball. H how did that happen where you parlay that status into a 14-year big league career? <laughs> you know what? The big man upstairs. But I remember after my last game, we were in sectionals in, in junior college. So I'll never forget my dad came over after the game and said, hey, the Philly scout wants to come and talk to you. He's like, he wants to come to the house. I was like, all right. So we go back to my house. We're sitting in the kitchen, my mom, my dad, and then Don Williams come, comes in. And Jerry Lafferty was like the bulldog, you know, that scouted me throughout, you know, high school and then uh, college. So I'm sitting at the table, my mom and dad, and my mom's like a nervous wreck. She has no idea what the heck's going on. And my dad's like, what are you going to do? I said, what do you mean? I said, if I get a contract, I'm signing. So my brother Curtis walks through the front door and he sees the guy with the Phillies thing on it. He just kept going. He was like, oh, sorry. But anyway, so Don Williams was like, hey, I want to sign you to a contract. I'm like, what are you going to? He said, will you sign? I said, where do you want me to sign? So I signed the contract. He's like, you're going to leave two weeks, go to Clearwater, Florida. And my mom's crying. She's like, you're 18 years old. <laughs> I said, yeah, I'm gone. And my dad's like, that is so awesome. You know, but I, I, you know, just the memories about the whole deal. And then, you know what? I, that was my dream. I mean, to play major league baseball and um, thank God I had the people around me, the friends, the family that help it, you know, help to make it possible. Did you hear, did you hear the odds? Before you decided to do this, you go like, hey, you know what? There are probably about 40, 50 guys this year alone the Phillies are drafting. They have money invested in. Maybe I wait a little bit. Yeah, but I didn't want them to change their mind. They could have said, oh, what the heck was it? We don't want Ash, you know? I didn't want them. I didn't. That was my opportunity to sign and do what I set out. That was my dream. And I, I was like, holy cow, I get, I have an opportunity to live my dream. And, um, I didn't want them to change their mind. I could have got hurt and not ever had the opportunity again. The well, the, bu year, so. yeah, the bubble didn't burst. I and mean, you come <laughs> through the minor league system, and as a 23-year-old, you're called up to the big leagues. And as you talked about the impact on your family, set that up for us. Who told you you were going to the big leagues? What was your reaction? Who'd you tell? 
Oh my gosh. It was, uh, so I'm in AAA in Scranton, Wilkes-Barre. Bill Dancy is the manager. Um, Jim Wright is the pitching coach. So you know how you do that, uh, the pitching chart the day before you start the next day? So I'm out there doing the chart. And I, I take pride in it because I want to make it nice and neat so they don't have to worry about if it's curveball, fastball, you know, how many pitches the guy threw. So the game's over and I go in and put the uh, pitching chart on um, Dancy's desk. I walk out. He's like, hey, Ash. So I walk. I said, what? He's like, come here. So Bill Dancy's there and Jim Wright, the pitch coach. He's like, this chart is terrible. He said, it's the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. He said, the, the numbers aren't right. And I'm thinking, no, I, they're right. I was like, what, what is the deal? He's like, no, nope. he said, it's terrible. He said, the numbers aren't good. He said, he didn't throw a fastball here. Didn't throw a curveball. You know, he's just messing with me. So about this time, I'm kind of getting frustrated because I, that helps me when I see the guy getting people out. So, you know, long story short, he's like, this is terrible. So I'm going to find you $500 for this chart. I said, what? I said, $500. I said, that's ridiculous. I said, are you really finding me $500 for keeping a bad chart? He's like, yeah. So I kind of turned around. He said, a guy going to the big leagues, he said, can afford $500. And I really it didn't register. <laughs> and then I, I turned around. I said, what? He said, yeah. He said, hey, kid, you're going to the big leagues tomorrow. And I was like, I need to call my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I need to call my mom and dad. I told my, I said, are you serious? He's like, yeah, you're going to the big leagues tomorrow. He said, oh, my gosh. And I, I'm getting teary. It was the best ever. I mean, it was so cool. And then uh, I called my mom. I was like, and, you know, your mom, she's like, I knew something was going on. I just felt it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I know, mom. You know everything. But uh, so that was really cool. I went to Cincinnati and started. Um, got beat around a little bit. <laughs> it was good. It was really cool. You know, the excitement in your family, what was your dad's reaction? Because you've made a point of telling reporters along the way uh, how influential he was in your career. It was awesome. You know what? I They went to Cincinnati, and then I went back to Philly, and then we played in St. Louis. And I took my dad in the clubhouse in St. Louis, and he just, to see his face, like, setting around all these players that, you know, he looked up to, I mean, my dad was a football player and, uh, you know, to see his son achieve what he dreamed of. And then now he's in the clubhouse in St. Louis with all these major league players. And I was like, what do you think, dad? And he just, he couldn't really say anything. He just shook his head. And, you know, later on, he's like, that is so cool. It's, I'm so proud of you. And, to have your parents look at you that way and it, you know, something that you wanted to achieve and you did, you lived a dream. So it was a special, I mean, everyday special. I loved it and I will never forget it. 
That's magical, Ash. Um, it, it never gets old, the communication that you have with your mom and dad when you achieve so, something so great. Um, take us into going to Cincinnati, Riverfront Stadium, and you walk into that locker room. What was the impressions when you saw uh, the Ashby jersey hung up in the locker? You know what, Mark? It was so impressive. And I took the pants off the hanger and my name's like stitched in the thing. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, you know, I mean, we work so hard to get there and you have that, you have that dream right here. And then when you get there, it's like, well, this is the way I, I really belong here. You know, am I really supposed to be here? And I put that uniform on and I'm like, I just have, I still have cold chills thinking about it. I mean, it's the best feeling in the world. When you take us into that first start, um, you said it, it was a struggle, but I, I want to go through the first inning because I think for our listeners and especially people that are, know the history of the game, this is impressive. Your first game, uh, you're in the first inning. And you're pitching to Billy Dorn, Barry Larkin, and Paul O'Neill. Those are pretty pretty good names. Uh, the reason why I say that, pop up to shortstop, ground out to second, and a weak ground out to third. And, and did you take your first breath before you walked into that uh, dugout after those three? You know what? I don't even think I breathed through the whole inning because the first pitch I threw, I was like, please be a strike. I thought I was going to hit the hot dog vendor up in the uh, upper tank. But you know what? It... I stood on the mound and I will never forget. I walked out there and I look around and it's like, it's here. I'm here, you know? And then you hear Barry Lark and you hear, you know, um, Paul O'Neill, all these guys being announced, like it, I achieved it, you know? And I didn't stay there. The whole year, but I went down and came back up. But you know what? I will never forget it. It was so cool. Ash, you have your second start, and it's against the Cincinnati Reds again. In Philadelphia, your first home start, Veterans Stadium. Uh, The fourth inning comes around, and you have an immaculate inning. You probably don't even know what's going on there. You're still trying to try to figure out uh, staying in the big league level. But you have the immaculate inning, which is nine pitches, Three strikeouts. And I want to set the tone for our listeners. Hal Morris, Todd Benzinger, and Jeff Reed, the catcher. And you punch them all out in nine pitches. Do you remember that? And what did it what did that have for a meaning for yourself? You know what? I remember the inning. I didn't realize at the time what had happened. I was just trying to get guys out. And then when I went to the dugout and I had Del Murphy come over and grab the ball. Hey, he had the ball. He's like, Hey kid. He's like, congratulations. You set a major league record. I was like, what'd I do? <laughs> you know, I had no idea. He's like, you just struck outside on nine pitches. I was like, Holy cow. You know, that's cool. <laughs> so, but to have Del Murphy come up and talk, you know, because he, 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 I remember in the dugout, he's like, hey, kid, watch the game. That's how you learn. And he would tell me, because I'd be joking around the dugout, just like all giddy. I'm a rookie. I didn't know what was going on. I'm looking everywhere. He's like, watch the game. That's how you learn. I was like, okay. He's like, yes, sir. And then he brought the ball over and 
said, hey, you set a major league record. I mean, that was a really, really special and cool moment. Uh, to put in perspective for our listeners, uh, you, you became the 15th National League pitcher to do it, 24th in the history of baseball. Um, so uh, that's not an easy thing that happens in the game of baseball. It's not like a no-hitter. It's not like a perfect game. Uh, it's very, very unique. Uh, what else is unique, especially with a game this day and age, I just want to mention this. Time a game for your first game was two hours and 23 minutes. And I know you had help along the way with your relievers. Uh, the second game in Philadelphia was two hours and 16 minutes. You beat your first time. Uh, to me, that's amazing. What's the difference, in your opinion, to this day and age and back then? You know what? I, I just think it's the, the, the strike zone's different. I think they, the, they want to speed the game up. But this um, replay and everything, that just... You know what? The umpires are right majority of the time. You know what? Just let the game be the game. I think you go out and throw strikes. I mean, I understand everybody wants to see a 10-9 game, home runs, and I, I love that. As a pitcher, though, I want to see that 2-1, to one, you know, one nothing game. I want to see action. If you, if you go one nothing, you're make you're pitching. Guys are making plays. That's exciting to me. But I mean, now it's just like the game is like, it, it's just a, it seems like it's just slower. When you're playing OS, you're talking about guys who would grab it and throw it, grab it yeah. and throw it. They, it. Almost like you wanted to establish a rhythm for your defense behind you. And you were mindful of that. And I'm sure you probably had it drilled in. I mean, you had a veteran team there in Philly. I'm thinking of guys like you had mentioned, Dale Murphy, but you had Darren Dalton behind yeah. the plate, right? You had John Cruck and Charlie Hayes and guys going, hey, come on, kid, let's go. Let's go. I mean, it, yeah. it's a cultural difference in era, is it not? No, totally get that. You know what? Dave Hollins was my third baseman, my rookie. <laughs> and he he was, I mean, he was intense. So I'm throwing and they're just like turn and burn on everything. So he's making plays. He's getting, you know, short hops off his shoulder. So he comes to the mound. He said, hey, kid. Try somebody else. He said, I'm good over here. <laughs> <laughs> and he was serious as a heart attack. I was like, I'm sorry. I don't know. <laughs> but it is a different era. I mean, it's just totally different. I mean, I, I don't see guys throwing side anymore. I mean, that's they were like, listen, you need to back him off the plate. And that's the way I was brought up. I mean, I, you know, Terry Mulholland and um Bruce Ruff and all these guys, they they would be like, you need to own that plate. Throw the ball inside, get them out of the way. And I was like, holy cow. And then, you know, that's the way it was. But now you just start away and get them out away, which it works for certain guys. But old school guys, it was like, oh, two, you're coming up and in. So, you know, it kind of went that way, you know, throughout my career. But um, I guess now, you know, you adjust to it, but the game has definitely slowed down to me more than they've tried to speed it up. You know, I think if that Dave Holland story had happened right now, he wouldn't have yelled at you. He'd have looked at the analytics coach and complained about the positioning and the stats that led him to be in the wrong place at the wrong What's time. What's that spin rate on that fastball? He just hit at my <laughs> shoulder. Yeah. Andy, you break in in 91, as we've talked about. But then after the 92 season, uh, there's a new kid on the block, the Colorado Rockies in the expansion draft. Uh, 
What was the process like there for you? Did you anticipate being selected or did you think, ah, I'm going to be a Philly for life? You know what? I, I kind of thought I was just going to be Philly because, you know what? I had my thumb broke the second start. Um, I made a team out of 92 out of spring training. Mackie Sasser had a line drive my second start of the year and shattered my thumb. Of course, I didn't get out of the way. I tried to catch it and got it on my thumb. So, you know, I didn't pitch the whole year after that. And then they sent me to Venezuela. So I go there, which it was, I loved it. But um, then I, my agent called me. He's like, hey, you uh, got picked up in the expansion draft. I said, well, I'm leaving. <laughs> and he's so he's like, no, you're not. I said, I'm leaving. I'm going to come home, do my deal, get ready to go to Colorado. Well, the consulate took my, they have my passport. So I couldn't leave. Then the coup was going on. So I was like trapped. So I'm telling, I'm freaking out. I'm like, Adam, I need to leave. I am leaving Venezuela. He's like, eh, no, you're not. <laughs> so it took me like a week and a half to get out and got back to the United States and got ready to go to spring training with the Rockies. But that was probably, probably one of the best things that happened to me because it led me to San Diego. Well, if you think about that, too, uh, it's the first time that you had to deal with adversity going to another team, all kinds of newness. Uh, what was that experience like when you went over to Colorado? Uh, not pitching-wise, because it's not a pitching paradise, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's kind of a, a difficult situation. How did you handle it? You know what? I, I just kind of – Brent Smith was there. I mean, the guy played forever. He kind of took me under his wing, and Bruce Ruffin got traded over there. But it was a new beginning. You know, I, I, I think I I've been traded a few times, but it, I think I, you take your adjustments and your trades or, you know, going here or whatever, if you're scuffling or what, you learn from it. So I was like, I went in there with like, you know what? This is a new beginning. I'm going to go in here and do what I have to do, try and make this club. They drafted me for some reason. You know, there was something there that they want, why they wanted me there. Got there and, um, yeah, I was a little different with the air. <laughs> so it was good, but, um, I adjusted and then didn't adjust and got traded to San Diego. And that was the best thing that happened to me. Yeah. It, 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 you get your first and only save in Colorado, <laughs> but you also get saved too. And you get traded to San Diego, as you mentioned, uh, this is pretty important for you uh, and a great career move. What was the first impression going to San Diego? Obviously, it's beautiful, but you're uh, you're realizing you're in a new situation, probably a better place to pitch. Um, what was that for you? You know what? I love it. I'll never forget. I walked into the dugout in Chicago, and the first guy I saw was Tony Gwynn. And I'm like, this is really cool. I loved it. And then... Uh, Jim Riggleman told me, he's like, you know what? You go out and pitch every five days. We believe in you. Don't worry about it. Go out and pitch five, every five days. Give us a chance to win. So it was like, I don't have to prove myself. They already told me what I need to do. And, you know, I was still a rookie, but that confidence that they had in me and the players that we had around us made me better. So I got it, you know, we got it done. 
Ash, uh, you mentioned Jim Riggleman, the manager. Also, uh, Randy Smith, the general manager. I mentioned those guys because they're a big part of your life. Yep. Uh, 1995, 1996, there was a change in the dynamics of the front office and also the manager's seat. And I want to mention Kevin Towers, the late Kevin Towers. Uh, he was the general manager after Randy Smith. And also uh, Bruce Bochy, who you already mentioned. They take over and change the dynamic of the culture down there in a positive way. I don't mean to minimize anything that the previous guys did, but this was a a really good combination, not only for the club, but for you. Can you expand on that? I think, you know, Randy Smith, thank God that he brought me to San Diego. Um, And then when I got here, and like you said, they had change of Bochy being managed and Kevin Towers, they changed the whole dynamic of the the, uh, organization though. They had different attitudes. Bochi came in stern, like, hey, we're not just going to compete. We're going to win. And they had this puzzle that they wanted to build from, I say, from 95 till 98 when we went to the World Series. They had this, this formula where they, they – Kevin Towers knew what he wanted to do. He had the ownership that was going to let him do that. So when this whole deal started – you saw, you could see the puzzle being built. And you know what? Bochi backed it every spring training. We want to go to the playoffs. We want to win. We want to go to the World Series. We want to win a championship. We have the guys here that can do that. Well, we fell a little short, 96. 97, made some trades, a couple more pieces of the puzzle, and then 98 rolled around. And we all knew what was going to happen. We knew we could win and it, it happened. Fell short in the world series, but Hey, tip your hat to the Yankees. They were a pretty good team, but they changed. It changed everything when KT and Bochi and everybody came in. I want to mention Kevin towers because I think for our listeners, uh, understanding what a GM means to a club, sometimes, uh, there's a separation and a professional separation for Kevin towers. He was very unique. Uh, he personalized it. He had the ability to have communication with you on a daily basis for a lot of times. I say that because as, as a guy on that roster, when I'm acquired to go to San Diego, I felt like it was so different and different in a positive way because I never felt threatened being around a general manager because he was in it with us. They yep. all all are, but they don't know how to personalize it. Uh, Kevin Towers personalized it, especially with you uh, being one of those frontline pitchers. What did he mean to you, and and how good was that relationship? It was awesome. It meant everything because you never felt like there was a separation, like you said. He would come to the clubhouse and sit down next to you in the, your locker and say, "Hey, how you doing, man? Great game," or "Hey." Hang in there. Just keep, you know, we trust you. Be there for us. I'm going to be there. And that's the way he made it feel. And you know what? That's the way Bochy was. Bochy is a player's manager. And I think KT might have taken a little bit from Bochy to kind of, you know, fill that void if there was something like, oh, I don't know if I can talk to this guy. I don't know if I can go up and talk. No, you can talk to anybody. You're the GM. And you know what? It makes the guy feel a lot better when you can go up and 
hey, you all right? You're starting tomorrow. You know, whatever, whatever the conversation would be, but KT was a special GM. And How much did it joke. matter to you, Andy, that the guys <clears throat> in those roles had played the game? And KT, you know, pretty darn good pitcher in minor yeah. leagues especially. And uh, everybody had had that experience, that shared experience. So when they tell you something, does it carry particular meaning or significance uh, as opposed to somebody who comes from the front office who may just have a really cool report to share with you. What's the difference in how it impacts a player? I, I think a lot of it is he's been there, you know, maybe not in the big league situation, but he's been through the, the grind of playing baseball. You know, he's been there and now he's gone through so many situations being the general manager and he understands, he has to manage like, tons of personalities i mean he understands how players are he understands how you know the personalities work hey i gotta i can't yell at this guy you know you got to cuddle this guy you, i can get in this guy's butt and say you know what you need to turn the wick up a little bit and get it done so i think kt and boach and the ownership that throughout that whole realm they all work together they all got it done. They all understood one another. So that made the players understand one another where there was no tension like, oh, my gosh, KT's in the clubhouse. We can't, you know, stop laughing or whatever. That's not the way it was. They made everything comfortable. And if it wasn't comfortable, Bochy would handle it. Ash, you were comfortable in that in that locker room. We've already touched a little bit on the 1998 season, but personalizing it just a little bit, you end up with a 17-9 and record uh 3.59 ERA all of those numbers are great but you make your first all-star team and this kind of puts a stamp on your hard work your dedication uh you mentioned already Kevin Brown being an influential person leading you to that all-star game when you sat in that locker room and you went into that locker room in 1998 as an all-star how much of a sense of pride was that for you it meant everything i mean to have Kevin Brown, Trevor Hoffman, Greg Vaughn, Tony Gwynn. We had five guys make the all-star game that year. My first one, Trevor's first one. And I remember, like, I said, I'm going to the stadium at 10 o'clock, and I'm just going to sit there and take everything in. You know, you have to sign stuff. But I look back on the memories that, my teammates helped me accomplish this. I, I know I have to still go out and pitch, but I can look at plays and think about the stuff that's happened through the, I remember bases loaded two outs, Finley grabbed a grand slam. I mean, it, you know, it's just stuff that happens to get, well, I hate saying me, but me to that point to go make the all-star game. It's about the whole team because without that, I, I wouldn't have been able to do it. I, did I pitch well? I pitched. Yeah, I did. But you guys made it happen. You guys have to fill the ball, throw the ball, you know, and I have to run your butt off in the outfield or first base or whatever. But um, it meant everything to me. Actually, once I got traded from Colorado, which I have, they, they helped me get to where I was, but 
it was kind of cool to go back to Colorado as an all-star and, you know, as a Padre and um, participate in the all-star game. It was really special though. Yeah. Your unselfishness, Ash, and and people that know you, uh, we tip our caps to uh, that part of it because you're an ultimate team guy. Um, Never being to an all-star game, I always remember watching it. And the one thing that I always wanted to watch was the introductions, tipping your cap. So that must have felt really good to you. You go back to the All-Star game in 1999. And why I mention this, a lot of our guests have talked about this because there have been All-Stars in 1999. It's a common theme. But that was the All-Century team. Also, Bruce Bochy brought his staff because in 1998, when you go to the World Series... That's what you're doing. You're you're managing the All Star Game. <clears throat> Excuse me. So many dynamics to this. Take us through your lens, being the second time All Star, and seeing all of that happen in front of you. What was that like for you? It was incredible. Seeing Tony went out there with Ted Williams. I mean, they really and then he's throwing it. It. I mean, first of all, going to Fenway Park was incredible. Now you're at the All Star Game, All Century Team. I mean, it just seeing uh, i i don't know i mean ted williams was incredible and then seeing tony next to ted williams throwing out the first pitch and um just to be a part of it and to see the guys that you're surrounded with i mean these guys are hall of famers there's hall of famers there they're they're, and you're part of that all-star game and I have so much respect for all the guys that I played against, played with, um, and then to be in that group as an all-star, I will never forget it. Asha, one other question too, because the all-century team, uh, the way they presented it at Fenway was a memory that I'll never forget. I wasn't even there. Um, grew up in Boston, but it probably had more meaning for me. Um, but for you, did you meet anyone there? How did you handle it? Did you back away or did you go and meet somebody that was impactful, especially uh, all of those legends? Well, I got to meet Ted Williams, which was probably one of the neatest things I've ever had the opportunity to do. But just to be surrounded by the players, you know, you say hi. And I mean, I was kind of intimidated, not afraid to admit it, but I said hi to guys and, you know, walked around. I kind of, that group is special. I mean, that, that was a crazy group. So I would say hi, they'd come up and say, Hey, Ash, how you doing? So, you know, it was more of a, let them, you know, if they say, hi, how you doing? Um, but I was, I was just taken back by the whole deal. I mean, they see these players and, you know, what they've accomplished in this game. And for me to be actually on the field with them at that time, I will never forget it. And it was so special. And I'll take it to my grave. You know, the humility that you're showing there is interesting because we hear that now and again from some of our guests and that they never felt like they fit in. It's like you're viewing it from the outside, even though, frankly, you are on the inside. You are one of those all-stars. Is that the way you carry it? Yeah, that's where I care. I mean, I, I, I've been very fortunate and I thank God, but I, I look at the way I see it without my teammates and all these people that made the game the way it is now, 
I wouldn't be able I wouldn't be able to do what I actually got to go out and love you know play the game that I love because all these veteran guys changed the game for Mark and I and you know they made it the way it is now and to see these guys on the field I'm like holy cow I mean that's it Ted Williams I mean my gosh I mean what and Tony Gwynn I mean King Griffey Jr I mean I it just and they're like normal guys but I don't see them as normal guys you know <laughs> it, it was uh like I said, it's memories that I will never forget. And I, I uh, cherish it. And I, it, it's, uh, it's special. And I think about it a lot. Such so, a refreshing uh, presentation of how, how that all was. Um, on this podcast, we like talking about influences and mentors. And you've already mentioned a few. One guy that I want to mention that obviously meant a lot to you um, is Trevor Hoffman, the Hall of Famer. Why I mention him is it's more of a friendship. It's not a, a mentorship. Uh, what did he mean to you, and, and what was that like being around the Hall of Famer? You know what? He is uh, He's one of the special guys throughout the game. Um, I remember coming to San Diego, and you know, he had that buzz cut and everything. <laughs> and I walked, you know, and we hit it off. I mean, it, his locker was right across the uh, locker room and he was incredible. And then to watch his routine every time. And then, you know, not the first year, but like when he just kept nailing saves and nailing saves, nailing, I mean, he would do the same thing every day, whether he pitched or not. And to watch him be that professional guy, not, he, not only on the field, but off the field. What a great friend, great family. But he has meant a lot to me. Um, he's he's one of the best guys that I've been around. But to watch him not only perform on the field, but the way he is off the field is a really, really special deal. You go to the playoffs with Trevor, with Mark, uh, in 98, but you also go uh, in 96 and in 2000 as a member of the Atlanta Braves. Is there the obvious, of course, in the World Series uh, to talk about, but is there a moment in when you look back at that entire run in the postseason uh, post that jumps out at you as like, wow, man, that was unbelievable, like an out-of-body feeling to it? You know what? The year, Well, 98, when we lost, uh, not when we lost, but just getting to the playoffs and we were like, holy cow, we, we accomplished. Now we need to, we're not satisfied. We want to go to the World Series. Then we go National League playoff. Then we uh, had to go back to Atlanta to win that, the last game to go to the World Series. And we did it. I mean, we could have, we could have folded, which we would never do. But I look back on that 98, that year we, well, the game we went back to Atlanta and we won it there. Just the emotion and the intensity of that game the whole time that we got it done. And it, it was just, it's something that you, you will never forget. And the, the thing that I think about is all, when we were all gathered up in that huddle, it was like memories were going everywhere, you know, and then you have the champagne going. And I remember saying, we're going to the dance. I love, you know, I mean, 
that's what it's about. And then we're on the mound taking pictures, you know, Yeah. that, I mean, there's nothing, a lot of guy, I mean, Mark Langston played for how long? And then he went to the, got to go to the world series. Yeah. I remember Mark Langston uh, crying by himself on when we were celebrating the first time going into the playoffs. And I remember having that moment saying, why is Mark Langston crying? Yeah. Uh, and I know it was all emotional and so much goes through your baseball. mind. Right. There's no crying in baseball. But I, I I really remembered Mark Langston saying, this is my first. And I was shocked uh, because you just assume so many guys that have been through it and have had the careers that Mark Langston's had. You just assume they've been in the playoff yeah. race. Uh, popping that champagne for the first time, Ash. Uh, you just mentioned it a little bit. What's that like? Could take us into... Uh, being able to celebrate with your teammates. You know what? It, it's incredible, but the, it's almost like you cannot wait. Well, you can't wait until that last out's made because you know it's in there. Mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> All iced up. Yeah. I hope my uh, locker's covered up because there's going to be some champagne going. So, <laughs> <laughs> then you get in there and you, you can't even open it because somebody's already beat you to the punch. And you have champagne in your eyes. It's burning. I'm trying to open it up. And it it's incredible. I mean, I it was one of the best moments ever in my career. I mean, Ash. and to celebrate it with you, I mean, and the teammates, it was phenomenal. Ash, you pitched well, really well in, uh, against Atlanta. You guys get to go to this series. As you pointed out, the Yankees just a little bit better that year. But you're pitching – against the Yankees in the World Series. What kid doesn't dream of that scenario? You, with your connection with your dad and your family, what was that like? You're stepping on the mound, and you got to be looking around going, I, I don't even know if this is real. You know what? It's funny that you brought it up, because I went to go to the bullpen to warm up for game two, and, you know, Dave Stewart, another guy that has been a big influence on my career, he, he was phenomenal. So we're walking down to the, uh, the dug, I mean, the uh, bullpen, and, you know, and you know, the, the uh, New York Yankee fans are so polite. They're awesome. I love them. Um, so they're yelling, you know, everything. And so I go down there and I'm warming up and I'm on the mound and these people are just screaming. Like, I can't even tell you what they were saying. So, you know, you got Dave Stewart back there on the back of the mound like this. You said, don't even listen to what they're saying. <laughs> you just get ready for the game. I'm like, okay. So I'm throwing, you know, and I was like, we're in the World Series right now, you know. <laughs> but, you know, Brownie had a good game the first game, and I wanted to go out and give us a chance to win, which I didn't pitch really great, but um, – to be on that mound in that World Series and Yankee Stadium was absolutely – that's the first time I was ever in Yankee Stadium was a World Series. So yeah. you got to be kidding me. But the atmosphere, the energy was phenomenal. Another thing that, you know, you'll never forget. Ash, when you when you think about it, uh, we've already alluded to the Yankees sweeping us uh, that series. They were so good, uh, and not finishing job is the disappointment. 
there's also perspective. And I think the perspective moment for us was realizing how good our fans were, especially the second half of the year, because our place was packed. The energy was unbelievable. I've never seen an atmosphere on at a football stadium with a baseball game being played. Uh, 76,000 people. I remember after batting practice going out just to feel the energy. It, it's something that, that'll never be forgotten. Uh, the disappointment happens. We get swept. We go into the locker room. And I don't know who said it. Maybe Trevor Hoffman or, or Wally Joyner or some of our, our guys that we relied on. They said, guys, we got to go outside. Uh, this is not typical, going outside. But we went out there to honor our fans. Yeah. Um, you had 17 wins that year. Your perspective has to be different. Because we have the ability to thank a lot of fans personalized uh, around town. But we got to do it in front of fans that were out there celebrating, and no one left. Uh, a lot of Yankee fans, but no one left. What was that like for you? You know what? is incredible. And I, you brought up that seat. How about getting back from a road trip, and there's 4,000 people in the parking lot? Mm-hmm. Just one, remember, plan, just one more, you know? Yep. Just, I mean, there were people in the parking lot at 2.30 in the morning because they had our back. That's what San Diego, that's what the people do here. They loved it. They were a part of it. They felt like they were a part of it because they made them, they made a part of it with us. We made them a part, you know, but to go out there and to be a part of that whole 75,000 people, I remember, you know, walking around the stadium and, you know, waving that's special. They weren't mad. They weren't upset. Now, I'm sure they were upset a little bit that we lost, but they respected what we accomplished that year as a team. Also, what joy that we brought to them and what joy they brought to us. So the fans in San Diego are phenomenal. I mean, you get it. When you go out somewhere, they're like, hey, thanks for that 98 year. Yeah. It was awesome. You know, that's respect. And you know what? I'm so happy that I was be I was able to be a part of that. It means everything to me. Yeah, and, and obviously all of us wanted to win the the championship. And uh, sometimes I think a lot of people say, "Well, our World Series was beating Smoltz, Maddox, and Glavin and the talented Atlanta Braves." Um, that that's perspective after the fact, but there's also disappointment too. Uh, Ash, uh, an interesting aspect to the game of baseball is the combination of you and a catcher. Does does a catcher in particular resonate that you had the best chemistry with and, and had the ability to go out there and just execute? You know what? Catcher has a lot to do with it because you, if you're not working, you're out there shaking off. Now you're, you know, the, the defense is getting, you know, on their heels. I mean, if you're not communicating, I wanted to go. And that's why you have those meetings before the game. You know, Carlos was incredible. Um, Brian Johnson, the year, I mean, I remember Brian Johnson's catch me in LA. So I hang like a cutter to Eric Caro. So he had a missile to left field. Brian's like, Hey, timeout. So he comes to the mound. He said, Hey, you keep throwing pitches like that. You're not going to be out here very long. You could get the ball down, <laughs> but that's stuff that I love, you know, Hey, he's right. You know, kind of get you dialed back in, but. The catcher-pitcher deal, you want to be locked in. And you know what? When you're locked in like Carlos and Brownie, I mean, Carlos knew the pitchers. 
He was awesome. Jim Layritz, another guy that was phenomenal. You knew what he was going to call because you have that, you know, you want to keep it flowing. And you know what? There's days where it doesn't happen. It's just, it's part of the game. But majority of the time with those guys, I mean, it worked. Yeah, Carlos Hernandez, what a career year he had. And offensively, he was good. But defensively, it seemed like he was lockstep with every pitcher on the mound. Another question I have with you, and it resonates with me, you have to have help. You already mentioned Dave Stewart, a pitching coach that that sticks out in your mind that made a huge impact on you. Yeah, Dave Stewart was phenomenal. But I'm telling you, Bochy, just the way he handled everything, um, Jim Fergosi, another guy, God bless him. He, uh, I was a rookie and I remember in spring training in 92, he called me in and he's like, Ash, you're going to make this team relax. And that meant everything to me because now I'm like, Ooh, you know, not that I relax, but I'm out there pressing the last week and a half of spring training. He's like, you made this club. And, you know, you look back, Jim Regelman, I mean, another guy that called me in the office said, Hey, you're here. You know, it's just, I, I can look back on, I don't know. It's it just, it's crazy how many people have had influences on that make an influence on your career, your life. I mean, we are, this family, like I said earlier, is incredible. I mean, you can't find, you know, 40 guys that get along except in baseball, you know, I mean, Guys get along. If you don't, they're going to weed it out. I mean, you've got to be a pretty good guy and be understanding of personalities and get along with, you know, different people. But why would you not? You're playing a game that you love. So respect what people say to you, respect what they're trying to help you with and take it, let some go, but respect what you're doing though. You know, understand it, enjoy it. And guys like you, Mark, I mean, you've, you helped me a lot because you had that personality like, hey, you know, do this, you know, lighten up. Um, you know, I go out and kick some butt, you know, but you mean a lot to me just as a, as a player, as a teammate, because you were that guy that was there. You were like that. You kept us all in line, you know, and you know that. Because you had you kept it fun though. Yeah, I I appreciate that. I I think we're all grateful for our teammates that mold us. We're grateful for so many different things because we have mentors, we have influences in our career that get you to a point where you feel confident about. Hey, we're all in this together. Yeah. And sometimes you know that as a rookie in the first couple of years, but it takes experience to be able to have those conversations and and experiences with your teammates. But when it comes down to it, uh, winning, going to the playoffs, um, putting a ring on your finger, uh, the dinners that you talked about on the road, there's so many things that that have an impact on your life that I think a lot of us all miss that, uh, that camaraderie. But as you know, we're on a text chain and all it takes is, is one message and we're doing it for, you know, most of the day. You're starting to see texts going back and forth. Um, the reason why I asked this to Ash, as we wrap this up, what's next for you? Uh, I mean, I've always wondered what you're going to do. Are you going to be a pitching coach? You're going to be able to spend some time with your four beautiful daughters. 
what is next for you and what's going on? You know what, Mark, I would love to get back in the game. I, I wanted, I would love to go see the minor league kids like throughout the year. I, cause I think throughout my career, I've been this way, you know, and that way I've up and down and, you know, I want to see, I want to be able to help the kids that are not getting over that hump yet. Hey, you know what? It's okay. Just keep grinding. You know what? Because it's easy to just say, oh, I'm done. No, get over the hump and get it done. Because I've been there. I, I mean, minor league career, I, there were times where I'm like, you know what? I, I can't do this. And my dad's like, well, come home and you're going to work. He said, you're living your dream right now. He said, if you quit, I'm just telling you right now, you're going to work. Nine to five, you're going to work. I'm like, eh, that doesn't sound too good. <laughs> but, um, you know what? That's stuff through life that you take in and you change and you get over the mountain. And you know what? I think baseball is a great tool to get you to that point. And the people that you're around throughout this whole journey is uh, really special, though. We hope you get that opportunity to get back in the game in a more uh, involved manner. Uh, as I know you wish to do. You gave so much to it as a player. Such a wonderful teammate from all accounts. Mark's uh, introduced me to you years ago and, and gotten a chance to know you on a personal level. 14 seasons in the sun, my friend, coming from an undrafted free agent. You become a two-time All-Star and you pitch in a World Series. Like you had said, life was a dream for you in that sense. And we can't thank you enough for spending some of that time with us. You know what? Thank you all very much. I love you guys to death. And what a pleasure meeting you, Mike. I mean, it's just, uh, and Mark, I, I mean, I, I can't say enough about you both, but uh, it's just uh, to meet the people and be around the people that I got to meet and to play with Hall of Famers and, you know, great guys like Mark and meeting you, Mike. I, I, it's, uh, it's been a special ride and uh, hopefully, uh, we can continue it, and uh, it's always nice to see you guys, and thank you very much for having me on your show, and I love San Diego. Asha, you know what? Uh, you, the reason you spent 14 years, uh, it, because you made an impact on this game of baseball, uh, your personality. I know our listeners are hearing it. They understand the love that you have for the game, and it resonates. Uh, that's the beauty of our podcast, because... I know you inside and out, and I, I am grateful for our friendship, but I'm also grateful for you being able to voice uh, the reason that you spent 14 years in the big leagues and you continue to give back to the game. Thank you very much for your time, man. I love you. Thank you. I love you too, buddy. Thank you. Well, folks, thanks for checking out Major League Beginnings presented by Bet Online. And if you had as much fun as we did, please go ahead, hit the subscribe button anywhere you usually download your podcast from. You pick the platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, whatever you like. We're just glad to have you aboard. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.